Hey guys, welcome to The Slice. I'm your host, Casey Funderburg, and this podcast is all about Tennessee football and giving you a slice of the players' lives that you might not always get to see, or in this case, hear. This week, we have Eric Gray joining us on The Slice. Hand off to Gray. kick to start this drive and now he takes it in from 16 yards out and now to this year's mvp none other than mr eric gray congratulations buddy what was said on the sidelines on the offensive side going into that fourth quarter put on more steam when adversity hits you got to put on more steam and that's exactly what we did Eric is a sophomore running back from Memphis, Tennessee, and will be returning this season after an incredible freshman year. He was a key contributor, especially in Tennessee's last two games of the 2019 season. He rushed for 246 yards against Vanderbilt, the most by any true freshman in Tennessee football history, and then closed out the season by being awarded the Gator Bowl MVP. In this episode, Eric talks about the highs and lows of his freshman season and the moment he knew he wanted to come to Tennessee. Before we hear from Eric, we want to give a shout out to this episode's sponsor, Hardee's. You take care of yourself while we take care of the burgers and biscuits. Hardee's, proud sponsor of the Vols. Welcome to another episode of The Slice. Today we have Eric Gray with us. Eric, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good. Good to be here. Yeah, what have you been up to lately? Nothing much. Um, pretty much trying to stay in shape, just working out here in Memphis. Have you uh, made any more TikToks getting on your mom's nerves? <laughs> <laughs> I have. I actually have some more plans to get on her nerves some more. Really? Yeah, yeah. I enjoy the one of you squeezing the water bottle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to do a so part confused. two of that. I got to do that with my dad. <laughs> well, I saw the on, because I follow you on TikTok, and I saw you had the two views. My favorite is the second view where it shows you, like, mm-hmm, show, mm-hmm. about <laughs> to, like, squeeze it in her face. Yeah. That's so funny. Well, I'm sure she'll probably be excited once you uh, go back to campus and aren't harassing her (laughs) oh yeah yeah for sure all right well we are going to play a little icebreaker game and they are super easy questions so first one what is your favorite color purple purple why is that i don't know i just like like the hmm, just just purple like when i wear purple i feel good wearing purple you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you you pick your favorite color off of like what you think you look best in. Yeah, 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 pretty much so. <laughs> okay, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Definitely cookies and cream. That's the only ice oh, cream yeah? I'll eat is cookies and cream. Really? Only ice cream I'll eat. The rest of the ice creams, mm-mm. No? No. Is there like, is ice cream like your favorite dessert or do you have something that you like a little bit better? My favorite dessert is probably banana pudding. Okay, well, we'll stick on the, on the food topic here. What has been your quarantine snack? Mm, my quarantine snack? 
what it has been is I don't eat. I usually don't eat a lot of Oreos, but I've been killing some Oreos during this quarantine. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny that you said that. <laughs> um, we uh, interviewed Alante last week and his was Oreos, yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been killing Oreos for some reason. OK, if you weren't playing football, what would you be doing? Playing basketball, probably. Really? Playing basketball. I wanted to stop. I could see it. Actually, fun fact. In seventh grade, I told my parents that I wanted to quit football and play basketball. Wow. What if you had done that? I don't know where we'd be today. It'd be <laughs> funny to see. We might not be sitting right here. We would not be sitting right here. So is that why you have so many spin moves mm, on yeah, the field? Yeah, that's where I learned you come it. come from your basketball? That's where I learned <laughs> it, for sure. Okay, what is one one place that you want to visit one day? Fiji. Why is that? Because when I was younger, um, there was this like, it's called, it's a site called like Rustic Pathways where you can like go all over the country with like a group. And I wanted, and my friends were going to Fiji and my mom wouldn't let me go. So ever since that day, I vowed to say that I'm going to Fiji when I get older. I hope you get to do that one day. Me too. I'll be jealous when you do. <laughs> <laughs> what was the hardest part of freshman year? Uh, for me, it was um, it was starting to like get organized, starting to plan more as far as okay, you got this much time for work, then you got this much time for football. Just getting all that in order, going to sleep on time, different stuff like that. That was just that I had to when I got there because I got there as early in Rolly. I had to get there when I got there early. I had to realize that okay, I don't have time to do all this extra stuff. I got to get my work done, practice, and then worry about everything else. How long did it take you to finally get into that routine? Um, I got there in January, I would say, till about when spring ball started. I kind of got the gist of it kind of around March. Yeah. That's good. And a lot of guys, you know, if you don't early enroll E, they're not behind, but a little bit behind. Yeah, they are. You have to kind of get used to things mm -hmm. a little bit later. Yeah, that's true. Did you get a chance to kind of help some of the other freshman guys along the way once they got there? I guess probably the end of May. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like when uh, when Henry came in, uh, me and Q were essential to him, just helping him out learn. Because when you come in the summer, you're so much is thrown at you so quick because you don't have that much time. You got two months and then basically fall camp in the season. So you really need those guys that are in your class to like to lean on to really help you get through it. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie. I don't think y'all know this movie, but my favorite movie is The Temptations. The Temptations. I I didn't think you would. You're right. I didn't think you would. <laughs> What's it about? It's about a group um like 1970s. It was an all male group, all black male group. There were singers called the Temptations. Oh, oh. Like my girl. What's a Okay. It's about yeah. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm not totally <laughs> clueless on this. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's about them. So do you is that the kind of music you like then? Yeah, I pretty much listen to all kinds of music, but my mom and dad listen to old music, so I listen to it. All right. What show are you currently binge watching? I was binge watching Money Heist, but I finished it. So I haven't found any other show to watch yet. You need to watch Outer Banks. I heard about that. I heard about it. I do. It's a little cheesy, 
but I like it. I finished it in like two days. I was really sad. I didn't realize I would get done so quickly. That's how I was with Money Heist. Is there a particular person that you model your game after? A particular person. I try to I try to steal different parts and pieces of other people's games, but if it's one person, um, I'll probably have to say Barry Sanders. That's kind of who I watch a lot looking at. Um, when I was in high school, I watched a lot of Saquon. I just like his explosiveness, his cuts, different stuff like that. But one person would definitely be Barry Sanders. All right. If someone came up to you and they were like, who is Eric Gray? What would you tell them? I would say Eric Gray is a hardworking guy that's determined to be what he set out in life to be. Which is? <laughs> Which is to be the greatest to ever do it. There you go. There it is. That's a good answer. Mm -hmm. See, it's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to talk more about Eric Gray. So you're from Memphis. Did you grow up a Tennessee fan or did you grow up wanting to come to Tennessee? What What's your story? What's your background? So for me, I actually, my uncle played at the university at, um, at Ohio State. My uncle played running back at Ohio State in the 2000s. So I grew up an Ohio State fan. All my life, I wanted to go to Ohio State. Um, my dad played at TSU, played running back at TSU, so I kind of came from a running back family. What was your childhood like? So your dad was running back, your uncle was running back. So what was it like growing up basically in a football family, and then how did you get started into football? So my mom always said that she, when she was having a child, she prayed for a football player. That's what she always tells me. And my mom was actually the director of my football league when I was growing up. So I started, you can't start playing till you're like five here. I think it's five. But my mom was the director, so I started playing when I was four. I started on the like little Bantam team when I was four. Um, I would always get my jersey first because she was like the first one that I wore number two back then. She would always get my jersey first. Um, it was just like growing up in any football environment. My dad was hard on me because he wanted me to be good. Um, actually, my mom was more hard on me because I guess she didn't want to look bad, probably, because she's the director of the league. But yeah, um, funny story. My first game, my first game, it was a Monday night because like you had an A team that played on Saturdays and a B team that played on Monday nights. I was the B team because I was four, you know what I'm saying? So when I was playing, I ran, the, I was playing quarterback back then. I took out, ran the ball, and I got knocked out, like knocked out. I didn't want to even play no more. I wanted to quit it right there, didn't want to play anymore. But like my coaches were like, get up, get up, get back in there. And I think that's where I learned my toughness for sure. What's your relationship like with your mom and, you know, with her being so involved in football at such a young age? Um, me and my mom are closer than me and my dad, really. Like me and my mom, my mom knows everything about me. I tell her everything, no matter if it's like with girls or with anything. I tell my mom everything. Like she's just, she's always been there. I don't think my mom has ever missed anything that I've done. Any sport, I don't think my mom has ever missed anything. Like, and that's just so, that's just so important to me because it shows how much she's dedicated her life, like took away from her life to make sure I had what I needed. Is there a moment that you remember growing up that kind of shaped you into who you are today? 
because you, I mean, you're a really good football player, but growing up, you were involved in a lot in high school. When I was younger, my mom taught me about mindset. She taught me about mindset. She taught me about speaking positive, not speaking negative, um, just being able to speak positive things onto your life. And that's what that was so instrumental into my life because that's a lot what I do now. Speaking positive things into my life night before games, envisioning what's going on before it even happens. And and learning that at such a young age really helps me and shape me to who I am today. What about your dad? What has he helped you with? Um, obviously, being a running back now, he's helped you with football. So describe your relationship with him. So my dad was actually my running back coach in high school. All high school, he's my running back coach, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it because it's your dad, your dad coaching you. But my dad taught me a lot. Um, him being a running back and my uncle being a running back, they taught me a lot of how to be a running back. They taught me because I didn't play running back as a as a child. I played quarterback my whole life up until like eighth grade. I played quarterback. So once I transitioned into playing running back, my dad really taught me about cutting. All the cutting I do, my dad taught me all of that for sure. Definitely taught me all of that as a young age, cutting on cones, different things like that. So all of that is a testament to him. Um, in high school, he just taught me how to. He just taught me how to, how to like be the best. He just taught me that if you want it, you got to go get it. There's not no e. There's not an easy equation to put it in. You have to go work and you have to go get it. I actually work out with him every day here now. How did you make the switch from QB to running back? Is that something you wanted to do, or was it something that someone else encouraged you to do? Mm. It was eighth grade, and I was going to a new school my eighth grade year, a new school here, a new middle school. And I was – and we had went out to, like, try out. So I was trying out a quarterback, trying out a quarterback. And I think we raced. I think everybody had to race. They wanted to see how fast everyone was. And I was the fastest. And our offensive coordinator came to me. He was like, the, our fastest player on the team cannot play quarterback. Our fastest player on the team has to play. has to be one getting the ball. has to one playing running back. And ever since that day, I've played running back. So I guess it's a testament to him. He changed my whole position for sure. What was high school football like for you? So my ninth grade year, um, I actually had to sit out because I had to um, because I transferred schools. I had to sit out my ninth grade year. I only played four games. So that was a little hard. it was a little hard for me. It took a it took a toll on me for a minute because it was kind of like it was kind of like, why am I going to practice? I'm not playing. Um, why am I going to meetings? I'm not playing different things like that. Um, but I had to learn. I learned a lot that year. I learned how I learned pretty much high school because every practice Monday through Thursday was my game. So I just went out there and tried to give them my all to give them the best look that they needed. And when I came back, um, I wasn't as good as I wanted to be my ninth grade year, but it was a good experience. And then 10th grade is when I kind of took off. 10th grade is when I took off and had a great year. 11th grade, same thing. And it was just it was just rolling from there. After 10th grade, I pretty much just rolled from there. Um, I went to a private school who only had a program for like five years when I got there. And we ended up winning two state championships when I left. That's awesome. And you were able to graduate with a 3.5. 
So how did you stay so focused on school and why was it important for you to, you know, not all, not just do well on the football field, but do well in the classroom? So when I was younger, my dad coached at a um, like an inner city high school all my life. He coached at inner city high school. So I grew up around those kids that were so good, but they just didn't have the grades. Like they were so like I grew up wanting to be like them. They were just so good. Um, had all the talent in the world, but just never had the grades. So I would always ask my dad, I'd be like, dad, why they aren't going anywhere? Like, why aren't they going to SEC? Why are they going to junior colleges and things like that? And he told me at a young age, it's grades. You got to have grades. You can be as good as you want, but if you don't have the grades, you're not going to get there. So that kind of like instilled in me when I was younger that no matter how good you are, grades come first. So I kind of took that aspect into my life and made sure that I had the grades so I could order so I can ultimately choose where I want to go to school. When you were in high school, you were a math tutor. You did some charity work. Mm-hmm. What what motivated you to give back to people? So which one, the, the charity work or like just in general? Let's do the charity because you did a charity with St. Jude. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you guys raised quite a bit of money. So tell me about that. One day, my friend Isaac, he was the kicker on our team. Um, he, he, we were in study, we were in like our senior lounge. We were, it was my senior year. We were in like our senior lounge and he was on this thing called pledge it. Um, like Isaac kicks against cancer or Isaac kicks cancer or something like that. And I was asking what it was. And he was saying that he was raising money for St. Jude that, um, that allows him for every field goal he kicks, people donate money for St. Jude. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, I need to do I need to get on that. Like for every touchdown I score, people can donate money. And I just um, set up an account, did that. And we end up raising around a little over maybe twenty thousand dollars for St. Jude. But it was all with the it was all just trying to give back, trying to do more, use my platform as a way to help and reach other people, trying to just with the talents that God has blessed me with, trying to be able to use that to bless others. It's kind of was my thinking um, with it all. It just really, it really meant a lot for me because I knew my touchdowns meant more than just the points on the scoreboard. It really meant more to helping a life, helping someone out, like someone in need who needed it. So it was really, it was really very instrumental to me and instrumental to him. We actually got, um, I don't even know how this happened, but CBS actually came down and did like a special on both of us. That is really cool. We need to get that interview. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From them. <laughs> I think it's on YouTube. I think it We're actually is it. on YouTube. <laughs> I think it is. You raised money by scoring touchdowns, and you scored a lot of touchdowns. You set a state record, which led you to win Mr. Football three years in a row, which that's never happened, I'm pretty sure. It hasn't. So it hasn't. what was that experience like? It was something I always wanted to do. I always, I always try to be the first to do something. I always look at it as if like, like breaking record, breaking records, like the first to do something. Um, so when, in 10th grade, when I won the first one, I think the first one was the most, was the most memorable one because that was like, because everyone was saying that I wasn't going to win it because it was a senior who had been there, who was going to win it. And I was just back to that mindset, speaking positive. I didn't listen to any listen to any of it. I used to be in the house like holding up something, acting like it was the the trophy. Holding up something, smiling into the camera. I did all of that. So it really 
it really helped me um when i won that first one because i was like 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 i won it like it was amazing then we went on to win a state championship that year so that was amazing and then winning it two more times just being the first to ever do it was was pretty amazing i'm just blessed and that's definitely all glory to god Coming up, Eric talks about what his recruiting process was like and describes his freshman season. But first, another word from our sponsor, Hardee's. Where there is sizzling sausage, there can be no worry. Hardee's, proud sponsor of the Vols. Keep up to date with everything Tennessee by joining GBO Insider. Sign up to receive an opportunity to purchase tickets before they go on sale to the public, exclusive ticket and merchandise offers, contests and promotions, and the latest game day information. Visit allvols.com backslash GBO. If you're looking for more Tennessee football content, then check out a host of volunteers podcast, a part of the VFL Films family of podcasts. In a host of volunteers, you'll get to hear stories from VFLs and crack open the VFL Films vault to hear the calls of John Ward and Bill Anderson. Subscribe to a host of volunteers wherever you get your podcast today. What was your recruiting process like? For me, my senior year, once the season came around and I went to, I took my official to Tennessee to the Florida game. The Florida game, I met with Coach Pruitt, met with Coach Johnson, who's no longer here. Um, and I just fell in love. I knew right after that game, I told my dad after that game that I'm going to Tennessee. I didn't tell anyone else that. I told my dad, told my mom, I was like, I'm definitely going to Tennessee because they didn't even win the game. The game wasn't even close. But I saw something. I saw something at that game that was just like, this is it. Like, this is the place. They're building something. You have a chance to. It's kind of like high school. In high school, I had a chance to to build something and put my name on something to leave a legacy. And that's kind of what I wanted to do in college. I didn't want to go to a big name program where you're just another guy who played on the 2020 team. I wanted to leave something that's going to mean something 20 years from now for, for my kids or something like that. So that's kind of what I looked at. And when I went to the Tennessee game, I saw that and I fell in love with that. And it was just home from there. What was your first impression of Coach Pruitt? And what did you see in him that made you want to be a part of his program and what he was building here at Tennessee? Coach Pruitt, my first impression was that he keeps it real with you. He keeps it blunt no matter what. He's going to sit back. He's going to cross his legs and he's just going to talk straight at you. Like he's not going to lie. He's not going to do anything. He's going to talk right at you and tell you and tell you what's going on and tell you if you're good. He will literally sit there and tell you if you're good enough to play in the SEC or you're not. He will re- he really will tell you that. And that's what just I liked about him. You see in recruiting that all the other coaches just try to they just try to sugarcoat things. They try to get you to coach pitch so you don't really know what's going on. They just tell you they love you. But Coach Pruitt will really tell you what you need to work on. And I like that. And I like that as a coach because there's always something you need to work on. So he really he really helped me um, just just fell in love with the staff, fell in love with the family atmosphere that they had. Once I met him on the um, Florida visit, I was like, yeah, this is pretty much home for me. Describe that family atmosphere that you felt when you came here. It's just like I said, at the Florida game, they weren't even they it wasn't even a close game. And the fans were still yelling. Like the fan, it was a night game and the fans were still yelling. I'm like, now they're getting blowed out. 
and these fans are still yelling. And I was like, I, this is this is perfect. Like, like it shows how dedicated that fan base is, no matter what, and they're gonna be with you no matter what. So even from the fans to Coach Pruitt and the different, because I didn't even talk, just talking to the other staff, like talking to the linebackers coach, talking to Coach Niedermeyer, talking to um, talking to the different position coaches just made me feel at home. Like them being with you everywhere you went just really made me feel like, like they wanted me. Like I always tell other kids, because people ask me about the recruiting process, I always say, go where you want it. Definitely go to where you're wanted. And I felt wanted at Tennessee, and that's ultimately why I chose there. That's ultimately the family atmosphere that I felt. So you choose Tennessee. You decide to early enroll. Tell me what that experience was like for you. So for me, I knew pretty much like my 11th grade year, I wanted to try an early enroll um, just so I could. I was big on the fact that you needed to that you could get there early to get a jump start on things. If you get there in the summer, you're kind of late. You're kind of late getting a jump start on the playbook, getting a jump start on class. So I wanted to early enroll. So I actually went down to San Antonio for the All Star game that ended like June. I want to say our game was on June fifth. I mean not June fifth, um, um, January fifth, and I was at Tennessee on January sixth. So once I left, I was def- I was at Tennessee and just. I was so head on, like working out, trying to get big for college, trying to get big for college. And then I get there two weeks. um, I had to have surgery. I had to have surgery two weeks later. And that kind of like derailed because I didn't get to go through spring ball. But I actually think me having that surgery really shaped my season because it really taught me. It really taught me how to sit back and watch and learn from the other running backs, learn from Ty, learn from Tim learn from them and learn their mistakes and learn how to create those and make them and not do them, not do them when I got out there. So just sitting back and watching and uh, rehabbing my shoulder really taught me a lot. And it ultimately gave me that hunger because I didn't get to go through spring. So when fall camp came, I was hungry. I was ready to go. Um, When everyone else was tired, I was still like, come on, let's go. Like I haven't been out here in, in months, so I'm ready to go. And that really helped me like just full speed into the season. So I think it was a good experience for me. So did Ty and Tim kind of take you under their wing once you got there? And what was the dynamic like in the running backs room? Ty and Tim definitely took me under their wing. They they saw something in me and they saw that um, they could definitely teach me little things that they've learned with being with having the experience that they've had playing in the SEC. So they definitely taught me a lot. They taught me they ultimately taught me how to be a college running back. They taught me little different things at practice that really helped me. They, I was always asking them questions in the running back room. Um, when we're looking at film, they're showing me, hey, Eric, you see this, you see this front, you see this defense, you see the safeties, different things like that, that you only know from experience. And they really helped me when, once I got there on the field. How would you describe your freshman season? I would describe it as... It went, it went, it went pretty well. Towards the end of the season, I was hot. It was good at the beginning, slow down through the middle, and then pick back up at the end. So it was, it was pretty good. Um, I think we have a lot more to accomplish. I think we have a lot more to do. But the freshman season was a good, was a good icebreaker. Why did things slow down in the middle of the season? Because I think as 
viewers and fans, we saw that we weren't seeing you as much in the middle of the season, but then, you know, we got to see you at the end of the season, of course. So I think, uh, well, my dad always told me that once you go to a different level, once you go from middle school to high school, high school to college, you hit a mental track. You hit that mental track that you have to overcome. And I feel like in the middle, I hit the mental track that I had to, that I had to overcome playing college football. Ultimately, I had to overcome the mental track of just sitting back and watching, sitting back and watching. I had to overcome that. And ultimately, once I overcome and took my mind back over and was like, "Okay, this is not this is not as hard as I'm making it. This is just football all over again. This is just football like when I was playing when I was four years old. Once I got that back, I ultimately started playing like me again. And that's when you saw me take back off at the end of the season. What all did you learn about yourself during that time? And you talk a lot about the mental track of it, especially as a freshman. It's it's definitely, it's definitely, you have to be strong enough because I've seen so many guys that they hit that mental track and it's just like, like they don't know what to do. They're over it. They're over football. That's when you see people start to quit or walk away from the game is when they hit that mental track because the mental track is serious, but you have to know that it's just there to make you better. And that's what I had to learn. I had to learn that this was there to make me better. And I ultimately started saying that it's going to be my time. I just got to be ready when when he calls. When they call number three, I got to be ready to go out there and perform on the field. So that's that's ultimately that's ultimately what I had to understand. And it took me a while. It took me a while to understand. It took me a few games, longer than I would have wanted for it to take. But for me to um for me to overcome that just shows how strong I am, how mentally strong my mindset is to overcome that and to be able to come back and have a great ending to the season. That's told me a lot about myself, told me a lot that I can really overcome, face any obstacles. You scored your first touchdown against UAB. Would you consider that to be the turning point for you? I was still very in my in my head. Even though I scored it, because I was still very in my head. I don't. I think the turning point for me was no one else probably know this, but to myself, the turning point was the Missouri game. It took me all the way to the Missouri game to get things turned around. In the Missouri game is when I you wouldn't see it on the field, but in my head, the Missouri game is when everything turned around for me. Why is that? It was just I. I just figured it out. It was just something like my mindset clicked again. It just clicked and it said, because I was, I was just trying to, I felt like I was just trying to do too much when it was just football. I had to tell myself that it was just football. And in the Missouri game, it was just like, there was a blitz. It was actually a blitz. We were, we were playing, it was a pass play and there was a blitz. And the dude blitzed and I picked him up and I looked at Tim and Tim was yelling and I started beating my chest and I said, I'm back. That's where it is. I'm back, and that was like the turning point in in my in my freshman year. Did Coach Pruitt know what all was going on in your mind during all of this? And if he did, did he help you in any way? You know, trying to get over this hump that mm-hmm. you were experiencing. Yeah, they call it. A lot of people call it the little freshman wall that people hit, and a lot of coaches talk to me about it. Um, Coach Rump, I remember Coach Rump coming up to me one day in practice, and he was like, "Hey, man, you got to get your mojo back." You got to get your mojo back. You got to you got to get your mojo back because we've seen what you can do. Now you just got to go do it on Saturdays. And that really hit me. And I was like, 
I do. I really just need to play, really just need to be me and play and stop trying to do all the extra stuff, trying to stop trying to be someone I'm not and just be Eric Gray. So the turning point was the Missouri game. Next up was the Vandy game. And you finished that game with 246 rushing yards, which is the most out of any true freshman at Tennessee. So what was that game like for you? That game, that game was, that game was like, like, like I finally am back. Like I'm finally back and I did it in style. That's kind of how I looked at it. Um, it was very fun once I got that first carry and I scored that touchdown because I always dreamed about running into the student section. And once I ran into the student section, I was like, wow, like this is, this, this feels great. Like it was much better than the first touchdown. I was like, this is this is amazing. And once I was able to break that 99 yard run, I was like, okay, now this is this is football again. This is definitely football again. I love what's going on. And the Vandy game was just it was so much fun because it just showed me it showed me that how much God is covering my life and He has me no matter what. So we get the Vandy win. We go on to the Gator Bowl, and that game that was a wild game. I remember sidelining that game and just the last five minutes of it were crazy and you were a part of that a huge part of that with the onside kick recovery walk me through that play what led up to that play I I know you guys probably talked about it in the huddle during the timeout so walk me through that so actually if we go back two plays before that I we're in Two plays before that, we are like, I don't know where you are. We may be, we're inside the five. We may be on the five, inside the five. And I break out to try to score. And I try to stutter step the guy, but he doesn't stop his feet. So he ends up tackling me. Q goes in and scores. And I was like, dang, I should have scored. Dang, I should have scored. So we were in the timeout. And I was like, dang, I should have scored. Um, but I was happy for Q. I was happy for Q because he had scored um, and Coach Pruitt had called the onside kick. We had ran it so much that I didn't even think about it. Like we ran it so much in practice that I didn't think about it at all. Like I was literally like on the field. I was literally on the field, like not even thinking about it. Like at all. I didn't think about it. I didn't overthink it or anything. I just when he kicked it, I ran. I saw the ball and I was just like, wait, wait, do not touch it. Do not touch. It. You see me with my hands back. Cause I was like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. And then as soon as it hit 10, I tried to grab it real quick and get down. I didn't even understand. I didn't even understand what was going on. Really. It was just like muscle memory getting the ball. Cause we had done it so much in practice. And then you went on to win MVP of the bowl game. What did that feel like when they announced that you were going to be the MVP of the game? So actually, um, the night before, I was thinking about it. I was like, bowl games, they give out MVP trophies. I was like, I got to go out there tomorrow. I got to go out there tomorrow. And I, I just dreamed about it, dreamed about getting the MVP, um, different things like dream about getting the MVP game. So once the game shaped how it did, I was like, because someone had told me on the sideline, one of the trainers had told me on the sideline, like, in the second quarter, they were like, you're going to get the MVP. I wasn't even thinking about it at that. But in like the second quarter, they were like, you're going to get the MVP. And then once it shaped up the way it did, I was like, and once I held that trophy up in the air and I was like, this is like, this is college football. Like I'm really playing college football. Like from a kid dreaming about playing college football, I'm really up here holding the MVP trophy 
for the University of Tennessee. And it was just an amazing feeling. Uh, I was so happy for me, happy, happy for us, happy for the seniors to be able to go out with a W after all they've been through. Just so happy, so exhilarated. Most I, words cannot describe the emotion that was going through my body then. So do you think all those times you were pretending to hold up the Mr. Football trophy and smiling, did that help you when you held up that MVP trophy? <laughs> it definitely did. It definitely did. Because I used to do it all the time in a mirror before school. Um, I used to just hold up anything, just hold up something that was heavy enough to uh, to equal out the Mr. Football trophy. And that's ultimately what I did in my sleep the night before the game, practice holding it up. And that was it was amazing. Did it ever kind of blow your mind that, you know, you just started thinking about, oh, I want to win MVP. And then you go out there and the whole team has a great game, especially that second half. And you go out there and you do it. It's, it's It goes back to that mindset. Um, learning it at such a young age, you learn how to use it to your advantage and you just see everything just once you're in a game. You don't even think about it in the game. You just let it come to yourself and you see how the game shapes out and how it how it works and moves for you for you to ultimately win it. And it was just amazing to see. Um, But I learned learned that mindset at such a young age. I see a lot of uh, NFL players do it. I heard Odell talk about it once just envisioning what he's doing before he goes out there and does it. It's just and that's ultimately what I tried to do. So you end the season on a high note. Spring practice ends just about as quickly as it begins. So how do you keep that momentum going for yourself? Um, just just telling myself I haven't did anything yet. That you we we had it was a good it was a good ending to the season, but it was still two games. It was still two games and I got a lot more to prove. We got another we're trying to we're trying to win championships and we got to get there. So there's a lot more you got to do. You can't be complacent now. You have to. There's a lot more we need to do in college football for us to be considered as the greatest to ever do it. Well, you have a new running backs coach this year, Jay Graham. What all does he bring to that running back room? Coach Graham brings a brings a running back to the room because he played running back at the University of Tennessee, um, or great prolific running back at the University of Tennessee. So you just he teaches you things that he can only know from playing the position from the short time knowing him. He has taught me a lot about my game, a lot about being swifter in my cuts, um, being able to cut and explode different things like that, that you would only know from being out there and playing. So that's really what he brings to the table. How are you guys being able to, you know, get to know each other and communicate with each other since he wasn't on campus very long before we all got sent home? Um, just pretty much calling, checking up on each other, uh, Zoom calls, different things like that. To just get to know each other, get to know each other's family. He calls and asks about my family. Um, wants to talk to my mom, dad, sisters, different things like that. Just to show that he cares and show that he's thinking about us through this time. One thing that a lot of you guys in the freshman group have told me is that before the season even started, I think before everyone got on campus, you guys. We're in a group message or something, and you all talked about, you know, how when you get to Tennessee, you want to make an impact and you want to do it right away. How important is it for all these new guys that are going to be joining the team this year? How important is it for them to start building that bond with one another? It's definitely important because when times get hard, those are the guys that you lean on. 
those are the guys that you depend on because there's so many times in that group chat that people are just expressing their feelings in the group chat, just wanting wanting someone to talk to. And it's important to have that bond, um, even with the guys that you room with. I think Stokely is amazing because you have three other people in there that are going through the same thing that you're going through at your same age. So it really helps you when you're down, they know it. When you're down, when you're upset about practice or you messed up in practice, you didn't give it your all at practice, they know it and they can help you out. And, and you ultimately have, like with me, I was in there with Q, Jackson Lowe, um, and Brian Maurer. And with Brian playing quarterback, me and Brian could go over, could go over different uh, things with me playing court, me playing running back, him playing quarterback. With Q playing linebacker, okay, I could see what the defense was doing and try to model what I'm going to do at practice based on what the defense was doing. So you can pick each other's brains and it's really just a, a great, it's really just a great bonding technique that really helps you, which really helps all, all of you get better for the team. At the beginning of this interview, I asked you who is Eric Gray, but who do you want Eric Gray to be in this next season at Tennessee? There's a lot there's a lot of things, but I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it too early. I'm just gonna say that I want Eric Gray to be I want them to say Eric Gray is the hardest working player, hardest working player on the team, gives it it all, and will do anything to help the team win. That's a good answer, I think. And this year you're also a part of the Vol Leaders. I just saw that on Twitter before this started. That mean that means a lot to me. Um because I just learned I remember seeing the other guys who had went out of the country. I forgot where they went, but who went out of the country last summer. I remember seeing that and was wondering what they were doing. And when I got approached about being a ball leader and I learned about it, I was like, this is definitely something. This is definitely something I want to be a part of. Um, just learning more how to help others, like using your platform, how to help others. And that's ultimately what I want to do using football to help others, starting my own nonprofit and using football to help someone who needs it, blessing someone with the God-given talents that I have, giving back that blessing to others. I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join me on The Slice, and I cannot wait to get this season going so we can see Eric Gray Part 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be fun. Thank you all for listening to another episode of The Slice. We have new episodes every Monday, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you like this podcast, give us a five-star review and let us know what you thought. And don't forget to check out our other episodes on The Slice homepage. Also, make sure you are following both Vol Football and VFL Films on Twitter and Instagram so you can stay up to date on what's happening with The Slice. I'll talk to you guys soon. The Slice is a product of Tennessee Athletics, hosted and written by Casey Funderburg, produced by Isaac Fowler, sound design and technical support by Paul Jones, music by APM Music, additional support from Barry Rice, Bill Martin, Jimmy Delaney, Evan Ford, and Daniel Hansen. Until we meet again, thank you and good afternoon.